Thank you for noticing. <laughs> Just been sitting here hoping somebody will notice. I'm the only one available to notice at the moment. Once we blast yeah, exactly. this out, That's uh, the whole thing. maybe more people will notice. Yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, sitting here right. with just me and Andrew. I hope Andrew will notice my cool shirt. <laughs> it's not a cool shirt. It's very cool, though. It's a cool very shirt. Cool. So, James Surowiecki said once, Multitasking is a way of fooling ourselves that we're being exceptionally efficient. Yeah. What's this? I, I thought it. I was a really good multitasker. I feel attacked by this quote. I, I, I don't love yeah, this. <laughs> exactly. I've heard myths. I've heard legend, urban legends that there are people who can do this, but it's not yeah. a thing. So it's like, I've got to do the dishes. So I'm just going to turn on the ball game on my phone and prop it up next to the sink so I can do the dishes and watch the game at the same time. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> Nothing like happens. You know me. That's that's right where my phone goes when I'm doing the dishes. Tell you what does work though. Listening to the listening to the Piper's Dojo podcast while doing the dishes that works. That that's works a, fine. That's a little bit better, but I also find it's a, obviously a little bit better because the, the there's no visual aspect. However, yeah. however, if something unforeseen happens doing the dishes, I don't know what an example would be. Like there's not enough soap in the soap tray or something, like yeah, yeah. the little soap pumper thing. Mm -hmm. Or you need to get a new sponge, something like that. So now you got to get a new sponge. You go, you do all the processes of getting the new sponge. And you realize that the, you've, you've not heard anything in the last two minutes of the podcast. Yeah. yeah so then you got to stop doing the sure. dishes. Then you got to stop doing the dishes for the length of time that it takes you to go back in, on your podcast player. And remember, your hands are all wet. So you got to start by drying off your hands in order to press the back button on your podcast player. And then now you're, so you've lost all that time doing the dishes, but then how long does it take to get back in your dish doing rhythm again? I think I've heard people, internet experts talk about this, saying it's like a, an average of 20 minutes to get back to whatever it is you were doing before. Yeah, people love to put all these random, random periods of time. It only takes 67 yeah. days to build a habit. And it's just like, yeah. It took me way less than 65 days to put this book down as being stupid. Well, but you've got to, we've got to be careful here because you could accuse Finding Back by Freedom of being in the same category. However, yeah, yeah, yeah. the starting time, the startup time for me is the killer when it comes to multitasking. For example, the getting the sponge takes it's the startup. It's, it's thinking it through and figuring out the plan, Right. That's the thing that takes the most bandwidth and typically takes the most time is just getting set mm -hmm. up. There's so many great examples of that in my life. Like one of the reasons that I charge a lot of money to play gigs is because of the preparation. It's not the gig that's difficult. Yeah. It's the preparation part, right? It's the same like when I write harmonies for a band, like sometimes a band will email me. By the way, anyone's always welcome to email me if they need harmony services or something, but it typically like that is a painful process for me, not in the part of, it's all the setup. It's somehow we got to get that music into MuseScore, which at least every, at least 50% of the time requires me to actually retype it out myself into my yeah. software. You can import if they have BMW files available. So sometimes it works out well, but it's, then you got to get it set up and then you got to lay everything out and then you have to 
you, you don't just want to write the harmonies, you want to do a recording of them as well. So it's new, no, now I got to get the recording software set up and my practice chanter isn't that well in tune. So maybe I'll use the Blair chanter. So you got to get all that hooked up. But then the actual harmony writing itself is pretty fun and yeah. pretty efficient, but it's the same. It's the same with everything. The problem is now I've had to go back two minutes in my podcast because I missed it because I had to get a new sponge. But then now I find when I come back to the dishes, I've totally lost my rhythm and it, it takes me, and maybe it doesn't take me an hour, but it takes me like another couple of minutes before I'm in my flow again, before I'm in my efficient state. And that's the, that's the deadly nature of attempting to multitask. Yeah. And I know that this is super applicable to bagpipes because I certainly have spent plenty of time thinking to myself, especially in the early days, maybe, but I need to build up endurance or something like that, right? And so I'm going to play my bagpipes for a long time today, but that's going to be boring. So I'll do it with the TV on. <laughs> Probably wasn't the most efficient practice time. Definitely wasn't picking up what was happening with the subtitles on the TV while trying yes. to play bagpipes. Exactly. <laughs> It's the same thing. It's like, oh, um, I have to rehemp my whole instrument just because it's the start of a new season and some of the joints have gotten a little bit loose. Cool. I'll just do it in front of the TV tonight. No, you won't. Not if you're going to do a good job. If you're going to do a good job, you just got to sit there and do it because it'll get done twice as fast and twice as well. Yeah. probably. Twice yeah. As well, yeah. And there you go. It's a lot of people ask, how should I structure my practice session? It's really simple. You pick one thing, like you pick the highest leverage item. And you work on that for five to 10 minutes. Then pick and one other thing, right? No, 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 again. stop. Jim, Jim, no, no, no. You're in the, you're, no, you pick one thing, you do it for five to 10 minutes and guess what? You're done. That's it. There will be no oh, more, yeah. there will be no more. There will be no more. And if there is, if there is more, it's going to be pretty rare that the second thing that you do is going to be high yield. So it would be much better to just say, cool, I've done the thing I set out to do today, got my thing done, and then now I'm going to play mostly for enjoyment. And you will get better when you play mostly for enjoyment, like you do improve, but it's more of an implicit improvement. So mm. it's, okay, today I'm going to practice tuning my drone, my outside tenor to my chanter, to the low A on my chanter for five to 10 minutes. And I'm just going to get into it and I'm going to do that 30 times. And then when you're done, mm. and then you might ask, how can I possibly get all the things done that I have to do if that's my practice regimen? But I would encourage you to try it. You'd be shocked how much you can get done if you just do small bits really well, one at a time. We're way off on a tangent already. Yeah. <laughs> what are we, are, is, this, is this the conversational equivalent of multitasking? We got to pick something and stick to it. <laughs> Either that or I did pick something and I just went with it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We were got, what we were actually here. planning to talk about, be damned. We're redirecting now to chapter seven of Finding Bagpipe Freedom. We're entering phase three. Yes, and so just watch, got... just for the listeners out there, just listen to how awkward this is for the next several minutes until we find our rhythm. Oh, there you go. So now we get to have a live example of what there is that's going on with the multitasking problem. Yep, I'm ready, though. I'm going to defeat it. This is, the, this is the moment where I'm going to defeat the problem of multitasking watch mm. we're gonna oh, except for wait a minute i've already been i've already been making our launch into this topic more difficult with all this stuff yeah. and then now you're hesitating why are you hesitating no let's talk about the thing we got to talk about what's taking so long 
Well, yes. Jim is Jim you is like, it. I can't believe mm. I woke up early for this <laughs> jerk. All right, here we go. <laughs> chapter seven. So for chapter seven, phase three, we're talking posture, we're talking mechanics, we're talking tuning. We open up thinking about in the old days, by which I think you also mean today, the process of transitioning learners from a practice chanter to the bagpipes, pretty predictable thing and pretty painful thing too. <laughs> in band halls the world over, we're seeing beginners who were excited, what, a year and a half ago when they first wanted to start playing bagpipes? And finally tonight, they're going to try the bagpipes for the first time ever. They've been on practice chanter all this time. Here come the bagpipes. What, what does this usually look like? What, what are they usually experiencing? I think that you just run into that brick wall where you're just completely overwhelmed and you just splat into the wall. So to give a little bit of background, it's okay, I'm going to learn the bagpipes, right? And then what you're typically told, it's very common, is that, okay, cool, we're going to learn these seven tunes really well. Usually with most of the embellishments in, if you're lucky mm -hmm. at a simplified setting, it's okay. You have these six classic tunes you got to learn, and then you get your bagpipes. How long does it take to learn six tunes properly? It, takes a, it could take a long time, right? It depends, it's, right? Especially if, if you're going ground up with the embellishments, it can take a really long time. Yeah, and it depends if you're a kid that picks things up really quickly and has the aptitude. Maybe it doesn't take as long as an adult where it could take, I don't know about you, Jim, but adults that I teach, I think some of them could take several years to get to the point where they're actually playing the six tunes fundamentally well. So oh, for sure, yeah. my point here is only that it takes a long time on just the practice channel before you're even allowed to touch the pipes. So that in itself is somewhat demoralizing, I think, on average. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit demoralizing. It's, it's like Daniel-san, he gets stuck doing the wax on, wax off. And this is not karate, right? Yeah. And then he, he, of course, reaches that point in the movie where he, he wants to quit. And mm -hmm. it's only through, we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's only through Mr. Miyagi's intervention where he shows him the purpose behind it, right? Where suddenly he can do karate because he's got yeah. the fundamentals down. Now, let's do the bagpipe version of that. Daniel-san has been on the practice channel, waxing on, waxing off, painting the house. He's been doing that for a really long time. Now you're getting to that point where you're super frustrated because you're not even doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And then now, okay, the, the uh, bagpiping teacher equivalent of Mr. Miyagi says, okay, Daniel-san, show me sand the floor on the full bagpipes. Uh, but the full bagpipes mm. don't hold air. You don't have the coordination. They sound terrible. They're not in tune. It, it's a huge cluster. You can't even get more than one note out. And then so now, after all the wax on, wax off, you still can't do the thing. It can it's, be so it's, discouraging. Yes, exactly. And I think that's probably more or less the average person's experience when it comes to yeah. transitioning from the practice chanter to the pipes. Um, yeah, and then if you have a good, and... yeah. And if you have a good teacher or mentor, that could be a little bit better. Obviously some people out there in the world get onto the pipes, right? So it's, but it's not an optimized ideal experience on average at all. Yeah. It's actually, if anything, it's probably a big bottleneck where it's, geez, Louise. The only reason people stick with it probably is because they spent two grand to get their pipes. Right. So now they've got to stick with it. My first instructor was a very good person and a good piper and really a good teacher overall. But it was a, I was a 14 year old kid being taught by a 16 year old kid. And so I, I don't falter at all for like 
when the first time that I got on bagpipes, she thought it'd be a great idea. Just give me a full set of bagpipes and just everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's falling off my shoulder. I can't get air through anything consistently, especially not the chanter. I squawked out two notes and felt like I was about to die. Yeah. And there's probably some, there's like a dessert element of that, what we would call dessert, where it could be, yeah, it could yeah. be fun to just horse around with a full bagpipe, especially if it's well set up and not too hard. Like that could be for sure kind of fun. So mm. by all means, have some fun. But when it comes down to learning, what we want to do, just like we would do learning anything else, is we want to break it down into its components and we want to focus on, wait for it, one thing at a time. There you mm -hmm. go. And that would be good to do. And by the way, the first thing that you would do, I think maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves already, Jim, but like the first thing that you would want to do, by the way, requires no skill or knowledge at all, which, which would be, we want to tear down the instrument and start from scratch and learning to mm -hmm. hemp the instrument, right? Learning about how the reeds fit in, just learning the names of the different parts of the instrument. That's a cool thing you can do. So when you and it say be like, so fun. yeah, it could be fun. And it, and then where I'm going with this is those activities should be introduced like as immediately as possible in the practice chanter mm -hmm. learning process. It's cool. Okay, guys, we've done some arpeggio exercises. Good job. Hey, check out this stock that I have and this, and this joint, and let's practice hemping that thing and getting it nice and good because you're going to need this skill in a few months when we get onto the full pipes. So we can integrate that. That's one thing you could do. That's a bedrock mm. thing you're going to need to play the pipes. That's one thing you could integrate early in the process, and you should do that. Yeah, I love that because it's the everybody who wants to learn to play bagpipes has that little bit of discouragement where they go, oh, I don't get to start on bagpipes. I need to start with this thing I've never heard of called a practice chanter. Mm -hmm. And they make it through that. But then, yeah, this gives them a chance to have that dessert element too, where they get to be touching the bagpipes and keeping that vision, that dream real and alive <laughs> through the months of practice chanter work. Right. Can, and it, then it's really exciting. And it doesn't even have, so dessert would be just for fun. But if you're learning how to hemp a joint, that's not dessert. That's fairly singular focus on a very specific skill that you absolutely must be comfortable with in order to mm -hmm. be a successful piper. And that, that has nothing to do with blowing and squeezing or getting your, has something to do with getting your bagpipe airtight, but we're not talking about right. getting it airtight under the arm yet. We're just, we're, we're like learning those components. And I think that would help a lot, right? And then what we want to avoid is the brick wall effect where it's like, cool, you've learned your six tunes. Now, here's a set of bagpipes that's just hopelessly too much to handle that's going to cause yeah. extreme discouraging feelings. Yeah. I think. Andrew, who is Joe Brady? Who is Joe Brady? There's a lot of people running around asking that question. Yeah, it's like that Ayn Rand novel, right? Everybody just keeps asking, who is Joe Brady? I know, exactly <laughs> right. And then you have to go to Brady's Gulch to find him. <laughs> Brady's Gulch, that's where you find out. <laughs> otherwise known as somewhere in North Carolina. Yeah, so Joe Brady is involved in the Wake and District Pipe Band. And he is the, I wouldn't, it's a hard thing to explain, but basically Joe is a great guy, a really experienced piping teacher. And I ended up on a phone call with him one time because he had some ideas for me. And then it, as it turns out, he had some of the missing pieces of the puzzle for us when it came to this whole thing. And yeah, like just breaking things down to be even more, more simple. And the basic process that we use to transition people to the pipes now, the otherwise known as the correct way, came largely from that conversation with Joe. 
he is definitely the father of the existing process. Okay. So the existing process is better than the process that, that Joe Brady's process, maybe we ought to say the Brady method. Well, it's the dojo method. With some Brady no, tweaks. Let's not get carried away With some Brady tweaks. Here. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And some very important tweaks. He made, he, he showed me some very important tweaks that we could do to the process so as not to violate the idea that we want to learn one thing at a time. For sure. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't a terrible teacher to the students who I've forced to play the chanter first, because at least I reduced them to the chanter. So at least I reduced them to one thing. Yeah. But I definitely, in my mind, now I realize reading this, I was also forcing them to figure out bag pressure and blowpipe, like posture, all of these things at the same time as playing their chanter. So really, no, I was making them do more than one thing. Correct. Yeah. So the reason that you don't want to start with the chanter first is because that's too much at one time. And like, Shall I give some examples? People who so, are into it will power through that, but yeah, tell me about how that, why that's yeah, too much. Because you I can, think those of us who for a while, we forget why that's a lot. That's right, and it's important. We don't just want to do things that occasional outliers can do. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's what the chanter. That's what the chanter first method is. I think that's what I did. Sounds like that's what you did. I think that's what most mm -hmm. people do. But that's just something that the occasional outlier is going to be able to do, for whatever reason. Okay. And it's, we want to find a system that everybody can do. Okay. Now the mm -hmm. problem with the chanter is that we've got our set of 10 non-negotiable skills in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And when we introduce the chanter, anytime you play something on the chanter, you're going to be dealing with rhythmic control and scale navigation and grace note quality. Okay. Now that we're doing it on the pipes, we have physical blowing mechanics. Okay. We don't have any mm -hmm. drones yet. So that's something we can cross off the list. But then are you blowing the chanter at the chanterede sweet spot? Chances mm. are you're not even remotely capable of thinking about that yet. That is something that we don't have tabs on at all. And then we don't have to tune any drones yet, so that's cool. But what about mental blowing anomalies? That's a key mm. thing. And if you're just trying to get the bagpipes going, you're not worried about mental blowing anomalies, right? And then yeah. embellishment mechanics, probably, right? So you're trying to do that. And you might even be trying to do some of that elementary expression stuff from your practice chanter and trying to get it over on the pipe. So that's seven or eight of the 10 non-negotiable skills that you're mm -hmm. trying to do all at the same time. Okay. Now you're not doing all those at the same time. The first time, the first few months that you transition to the pipes is still very awkward and still very crazy. So you're not really going to be able to focus on mental blowing anomalies. You're just trying to focus on getting the sound to come out, right? This jives with my experience that I remember. What's going to happen with mental blowing anomalies? They don't just, they don't just wait for you <laughs> until the time where you can focus on them. Instead, you start to ingrain habits. Yeah. So the problem with how most people transition to the pipes and do the chanter first is that in the process of doing that, you're developing a whole bunch of bagpiping bad habits. And mm -hmm. that we don't want. We can do it in a better way. And even if the student does have tons of aptitude, you would still want to do it the dojo slash Brady way because it minimizes the risks of developing bad habits and it allows you to focus on the absolute minimum number of things at one time. What we would do, now this is of course assuming the bagpipe is set up well and it's holding air, right? But what mm -hmm. we would do is we would start with the instrument with no reeds going at all. Okay, and we would just blow that instrument up into its full shape 
and we would just practice achieving good posture with the instrument. Ah, how much time did you spend thinking about posture when you transitioned to the pipes? Absolutely none. It, yeah. it was years later that I first started to go, everything hurts from this and started going, maybe I should readdress the way I stand when I play bagpipes. <laughs> like, and then it's, it's the like, same. The, that weird contorted way that I first tried to figure out how to get it to work, a lot of elements of that weird contorted way stuck with me for years. Exactly. Because that's just like the way I made it work, you know? That's right. So it's not just a bad habit, okay? So it's not just, it's, you're not just going to have to learn how to do it the correct way in three years when you realize everything hurts. No, you have to do hmm. the opposite first. So you have to unlearn the bad habits somehow. And then you have to integrate the good ones. So that takes twice as long to fix. So it's better and, and urgent that we learn it in the correct order, one thing at a time during the transition to the bagpipes process. Yeah, that's right. So we would spend some time on posture, okay? Just so we have an awareness and we can achieve that with the student. Sometimes that requires a bag switch. The student's got a bag that's yeah. way too small or too big. So you got to switch that. And often, I would say seven out of 10 times requires a blowpipe length change, which is one of the reasons that when you buy your first set of bagpipes, you should additionally buy a junior adjustable blowpipe that allows you to set the blowpipe length. And it's a junior, even adults should probably use the junior because you'd be surprised how short the blowpipe might need to be in order to get you the good posture. But meanwhile, it also extends quite long. So we can find that length. And then by the way, then what you'd do is you'd find that length and you would then say, okay, cool. The actual blowpipe that came with my pipes, let's now get it cut to that length. Because now I know the right length through a little bit of experimentation with the posture. I'm already getting ahead of myself and distracted, but there you go. That's the basic idea. And then by the way, after I, we've got the posture nailed down, the next thing we would do, oh, you want me to, you want to wait for the reveal? Uh, oh, we can. We're experiencing some delay. No, reveal it. Go ahead and reveal it because I was going to ask you a question anyways and I wouldn't want to lose this. Okay, then the next step, once we've got the posture good, and remember, we don't have any reeds going or anything. We're just, we've got the bag blown up tight and we've got it under our arm and we're just basically standing in front of a mirror or working with our instructor to get that posture right. Then we would just, the next step is to just open up one tenor drone. Okay, that's the next step which we can talk more about. So the next step but is not let's to get then to your start questions. playing your chanter. Correct. A um, yeah. couple of things from that. One, you point out that you should stand in front of a mirror. That's such a good idea. And doesn't, maybe I'm the only person in the world to whom that did not occur, but it did not occur to me. Yeah. It's such a good yeah, idea. I, um, you can see yourself and go, oh, that's not how I usually stand. <laughs> right. Let me just or that's, straighten out a bit. <laughs> yeah. Or that doesn't look natural at all. Or yeah. my idol, <laughs> or my bagpiping idol is Jack Lee and I look not like that. Or right. on the positive side of things, right? I think on the positive side of things, if you have the mirror hanging around and you have your bagpiping hero that you start to emulate and you just get that instant feedback, you'll see that I've got lots of mirrors just all over my practice space. It's not a coincidence. Whenever I play, I just kind of watch, watch myself, you know, it's always fun to watch yourself, but. Well, look, not not all of us are 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 attractive enough to really enjoy watching ourselves all the time. But and and I mean no offense to to Jack Lee, of course, but obviously the the bagpiping hero who I'm gonna have like magazine photos of pinned all around my mirror 
because I'm aspiring to look like them is obviously going to be Lincoln Hilton. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and I'll just come away from every practice session wondering why I'm not more handsome yet. I know. That might be, yeah, you might not want to do that. It might lead yeah. to, it might lead to unnecessary feelings of self-loathing yeah, when you compare right. yourself to that. <laughs> but you also mentioned that you could be there with <laughs> your instructor or another piper who could be helping you. By that, the way, I think really we could helpful. get in trouble. I think, I, oh, I know Lincoln has a good sense of humor, uh, but this is all just jokes, everyone. Just joking. He also, feels yes. very confident. I would love... No, I would really like to be as handsome as Lincoln Hilton. I'm not joking about that. <laughs> but you know, why. for me, I try to just focus on the person I am inside. Aww. Which, by the way, Lincoln does too. He's a great guy. He just, he's cursed with incredible abdominal <laughs> definition. That's right. That's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Why? Why? <laughs> by the way, is there, do we know this for a fact or is it just speculation? Oh, uh, that he's cursed with an incredible abdominal definition? Yes. I think it just goes, it's a, it's an assumption, but also a perfectly well-grounded assumption based yes. on his symmetrical face. Yeah, obviously, he's going to have visible yeah. abs, like, duh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Well, you know. That was the main uh, thing I wanted us to talk about today. So thank you very much for your time, Andrew. We'll now. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. What we're trying to talk about is chapter seven. But we are keep getting distracted and falling into the pit of the next shiny object that we want to discuss right. instead right. of continuing on the, on the path. Here's something we could use to drill back into the path, okay? You've got the 10 non-negotiables, the 10 fundamentals of good bagpiping. But you mentioned in here that we could actually divide these into two tracks. The yep. first is our finger work track, and the mm -hmm. second is our instrument operation track. So maybe that's yes. the way to start looking at this. Okay, let's... This is more fuel for anybody who wants to say that the dojo is a cult, because of course there are other very large religions that have sets of 10 rules that get reduced to two <laughs> also. Uh, but uh, yes, oh, uh, I so see what you mean. Tracks here. <laughs> I think what differentiates us from a cult, however, is we embrace a culture of criticism here. So if you disagree with the, what is it? The two magical rules. If you disagree yeah. with them, I'd love to hear about it. And so that it can inform changes that we could make to the process you there's could be the no, next joe uh, brady yes there's no such thing as justified knowledge mm. uh and i don't think mo most cults would agree with you on that mm -hmm. fair enough um although here's why we're not a cult is also a line that you'll hear from pretty much any of them i know that's a good point <laughs> good point so uh, let's hear it let's hear the two tracks jim so the two tracks on the one side, we've got scale navigation, or, or excuse me, finger work. Finger work includes rhythmic control, scale navigation, grace note quality, embellishments, and dynamics. Okay. And then on the other side, we've got instrument control. That's our other track. There we've got blowing mechanics, finding the sweet spot, tuning the drones to themselves in the chanter, and our mental blowing anomalies. I think I combined yes. two of those into, yeah, that should have been... That should have been five and five, not four and four. That was bad finger work on my part there. But those are the two tracks. So which do we focus on first, Andrew, when we're transitioning? Which track are we going with? What do you mean? When we're transitioning to the bagpipes or just generally speaking? Yeah. From chanter to bagpipes. I feel like... Is it instrument control? Is that the first one we're focusing on? When I first 
grab a set of bagpipes because I'm thinking about like, how do I position them? What my posture is? First thing I turn on is a drone. So is that I'm going to be focusing on the instrument control track to start with and De- saving finger work for later? Yeah, definitely. And I do think, however, that you can do both, right? Mm. Don't confuse this with encouraging multitasking. But on even numbered days, you can make your practice session primarily about your keeping your finger work going. And then mm-hmm. on the odd numbered days, you can practice your basic instrument control. And even though the two things really aren't married together yet, you can develop both tracks at the same time. And then eventually, once the chanter is integrated, then they'll start to marry each other together. Mm-hmm. But yes, so at any given time, we only want to focus on one thing at a time. During the practice session, I'm going to do five minutes of finger work, and then I'm going to do five minutes of bagpipe control practice. That's a little bit difficult. That gets a little bit weird. And I think you'll get more out of doing, in the beginning, doing one thing at one time and doing another thing specifically at another time, right? So that you get the most bang for the buck. It's like, we don't want to watch the basketball game and do the dishes at the same time. Just get the dishes done more efficiently and better done, and then actually enjoy the game. Exactly. Instead of muddling it all together. So trying to do too much before you're ready is like building your house on sand, Mm -hmm. you say. Exactly. And we already illustrated that. storms come. Yeah. Yep. We already illustrated that in this discussion when we said that when we stick the chanter in first, right, Mm -hmm. we get a whole bunch of bad stuff. Yeah. Right. In addition to not getting the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Where where the alternative, the better way to do it is to just start by making sure you're doing the good stuff in the right order. We want to build a foundation. We want to do things in the right order. And if we do them in the wrong order, there's serious consequences there. It, it's going to double or triple the length of time it takes you to get to the goal. And that is, speaking as in a community-minded way, you mention in here that the attrition rate among brand new bagpipers is depressingly high. And is that not a huge, is that not, like you mentioned, the brick wall, right? We're slamming these students against nearly impossible things, right? If you make it through it, good for you, but a lot of people don't make it through. What we're doing is we're, what we're doing is we are settling for only freaks being able to be successful. That's about right. right. <laughs> now, and then imagine if that was the case with baseball. Imagine if mm, only yeah. freaks were successful. The sport would be nothing. It's America's pastime at the moment, at least for maybe one or two more years before people realize what a silly, boring sport it is. But okay. it's America's pastime, right? And why is that? It's because the game is accessible, even though it's very yeah. difficult to play. But we've managed to make the game extremely accessible to the masses. Even I can Mm -hmm. play baseball, right? If someone was like, hey, want to go play some baseball? I could be, I could easily just hop in and play baseball. And it's Mm -hmm. because even though it's because I was, they were able to teach me how to do it in a systematic way that was at least basically going to get me to, to the point where I could basically play the game, right? Basketball comes to mind as well. Football comes to mind as well. In Canada, the hockey system, they start you at three years old. It's crazy, right? But there, there's, a, there's a step-by-step system that works. And what I mean by works is not just the freak shows get to the mm-hmm. point where they can basically play the game. Anybody can do it, right? And the same, yeah. is, true, the same is true for bagpiping, okay? If you don't 
if you don't screw it up and if you have a good plan that actually works that takes people through one step at a time yeah some people will 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 hear that explanation and will think to themselves no andrew it is only the it is only the outliers who make it to major league baseball and that's fair enough that's like, exactly what you're right pointing out here is with bagpipes we're making it so you can't even be in your local parade band unless you are an outlier if we're yeah. following this kind of method where it's like it almost discourages people from doing the thing even on exactly like right. just i just want to do it for myself in my backyard level you can't even get there if we follow these bad ideas mm. for how to get there yeah. And so you're right. So only the outliers make it to the major leagues. That's a fantastic point. So I'm not talking about making it to the major leagues. Right. But then I have follow-up questions. Like when is a person identified as an outlier? Mm. Is it right at the very beginning before yeah, they can- ball when they're four years old? Yeah. Before they can even actually properly play the game. And the answer is, yeah, maybe some outliers are identified right there in the very beginning. Like for whatever reason, mm. they just have it. or can outliers become outliers further on down the road? And they mm. weren't necessarily outliers in the beginning, but now they are in some way, right? And then don't forget in the world of baseball, you need coaches, you need announcers, you need agents, you need statisticians, right? You, you need all of that. Salesman. That's right. You need all of that. And so if you don't have a system that works to teach people the game, and to get them to fall in love with it and ways for people to immerse themselves in the game, et cetera, et cetera. Like, where are we going here? If there were no agents, if there were no statisticians, if there were no coaches, like, what would the outliers even do? We have that problem now in the bagpiping world, right? It's like we have, we, we've experienced growth, but we don't have a support system to support all the amazing outliers that there are out there. We just don't. Mm -hmm. And you see that with judging controversies because people are because the judging panels are just generally speaking and then no one should read too much into this but like I was gonna say you're you gonna know, get in trouble andrew well i'm trying to say it in a respectful way right so uh and i'm sure the 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 existing judges probably felt the same way when they were coming up what you can sometimes feel is that the judging is not fair primary reason being that they don't understand what you're doing because you're at a higher level now uh, right. So you can come to feel that way and there's that support system. And then what has major league baseball done, right? Like they have a very objective, systematic way of refereeing games mm -hmm. because that's a key element in order to showcase what the outliers can do. Mm. So yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. There's a couple things in this podcast that are going to get us in trouble, but it's not meant that mm -hmm. I don't mean it in that. I don't mean it in that way. I'm not criticizing the judges. I'm just saying that that feeling can exist. Yeah. Right. Because well, we, can, we, we need a big, okay. we need a bigger, better support system is my point. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, you're painting a beautiful picture there to have that bigger and better support system. I love the idea of it. And you also paint a beautiful picture here when you say with one, one tiny little sentence here in this chapter, when you say, let's take a spacewalk there a little later, you say your bagpipes should be easy to play. Yeah. And maybe it's because of the way that I came into it and when maybe things are changing now. But to me, I hear that and I go, <laughs> beautiful idea. Love the idea. That's a great fantasy, Andrew. But Andrew Douglas, bagpipes, easy to play. Are you crazy? Yeah. Yes. So yes, probably yeah. slightly crazy. But also, yeah, your bagpipe should be easy to play. Hey, everybody. 
Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo, and I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening. <laughs>